I am unashamed. What about you? All right, so I'm super excited today because we've got a very special guest yes. uh, on Unashamed Nation, one of our one of our best pals, Dr. Trent Langhofer. Dad, what do you call Trent? Cliffhanger. <laughs> he, Langhofer Cliffhanger. <laughs> Dr. Cliffhanger uh, is, uh, is, uh, is zooming in from uh, Colorado Springs, where he is now. So Trent was uh, our preacher uh, at WFR for... Well, you worked on staff for a long time. You, you actually preached exclusively for what the last couple of years or something like that. You and my, or I guess about four yeah, or five, five right, four right? years. Yeah, my four or five so years. So basically, Trent took my place, which you know, big shoes to fill, as we all know, impossible <laughs> shoes. to fill. <laughs> and he uh, he preached with Mike, and then eventually he was our, our lead guy the last couple of years he was there. But Trent is a a tremendous uh, speaker, uh, a very um, I don't know. He's got everything you'd need to to do that. And yet he's also a counselor because he has a doctorate in counseling. So And let's face it, right now, Trent, you are the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> That's right. And it's not close. It's not even close. <laughs> it's not close at all. In fact, we could combine all three of our intellects and we'd probably still be just a little bit shy. So how does that make you feel? A PhD doesn't make me smart. It just means I'm stubborn and I have a high student loan debt tolerance. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Trent has a a beautiful bride and then three great kids. And uh, we love the Langhoffers. You guys were big part. How long were y'all in West Monroe total? Yeah. Yeah. We were in Monroe, West Monroe for 10 years and um, just loved it. Yeah, Like you said, we're in Colorado Springs now, but man, we just miss our friends from the South who are more like family miss you guys so much. And just, yeah, you, if you're excited to have me on, it, it has to pale in comparison to how excited I am just to hang out with you guys again, man. Yeah. He's what he's saying in a kind way is that it was a 10 year experience and the probing of the redneck mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's you, right. know so, That's you know exactly what's so? You know funny is that Trent and I are really close friends uh, outside of this, and we we did so many things together. It was so strange the contrast, which I liken I likened it to my relationship with my wife because most people when they meet us, they're like, "Now, how did this? What's going on here?" But Trent, we we, we taught a few classes together. And uh, we would call it the doctor and the duck man. <laughs> but people would come because yeah. it was like, these two guys are on two totally different. Well, it's, like, it's like uh, Eric Metaxas and dad. You know, Metaxas is a spiffy dresser, intellect, wrote Bonhoeffer and all these great books. He's really smart. But he's infatuated with dad. He's like, your dad speaks like he's 900 years old. I just, I could just sit and listen to him. You know, he likes your little. All I can say is it takes all kinds <laughs> to make up the kingdom of God. That's right. Yeah. All kinds. So I want Amen. to tell the story, Trent, of the uh, the first time I really met you. I, I guess I, we'd probably shaking hands or whatever, because you were at our church, you know, when you got, when you were in school. And so, you know, you were getting pretty close to graduate. You were months away from graduating. And then you were going to go back to Kansas, which is where you had come from, and and you were going to work with uh, Kirsten's grandfather right, at a church or something. Okay, so so someone suggested we were doing a marriage class, and someone said, "Have you have you met this guy Trent Langhofer?" And I said, "Well, yeah, I think I met him." And they were like, "Man, you you should get that guy to you know 
teaching this marriage class. You know, he's getting his doctorate out there. So I was kind of like, because uh, I'm always a little reluctant when I haven't heard somebody. You know, he's to, a counselor. Yeah, and I thought, know. oh, he, what if he's just a dud? You know, so I thought, well, I, I'm gonna take a <laughs> shot. You know, so so we had him teach in the class, and we had like, you know, different teachers lined up every week. Well, Trent gets up, and I'm blown away. I'm just like, where has this guy been? Like, he is amazing. So I leaned over. So Tommy Emmett was sitting next to him. He's one of our elders. And Tommy was supposed to teach next week because I was organizing the class. And I told Tommy, I said, hey, next week? Uh, he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always excited. I said, you're out. <laughs> and he was like, ah. I said, I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to see if this guy can bring it again. So I, so after class, I went up to you, Trent, and I said, hey, our, our teacher can't teach next week. Uh, c- can you handle next week, too? And I was I was really giving you a test because if you just said, well, and then I thought, well, okay. But you said, yeah, I'd love to. So you were eager and yeah. I like that. And then you got up the next week and did it again. And so that led to you and I sitting in my office having a conversation about what you were going to do. And I told you, I said, well, Trent, look, I know you got your plans laid out. You're going to Kansas. You're going to be in ministry. And I think that's great. I said, but if anything ever happens, just don't forget about WFR because I didn't even know your whole story yet, which you're going to share later. But I was like, you just seem like you'd be a good fit here. And so I said, I just want to plant the seed. I don't want to, you know, we prayed for you and prayed for your ministry. And so t- tell what happened after that, because it was really interesting. Yeah. So so things kind of just fell through, you know, in Kansas. And I end up uh, uh, basically just calling you back, Alan, and saying, man, look, uh, the plan was sort of to go back to Kansas and preach and and teach at a church there. God's leading us in another direction. And uh, I would love to be at White's Ferry Road. Is there any kind of an opportunity for a, a cliffhanger kind of guy, you know, like me? Uh, and look, look, your, your listeners, there's just no way they could know you guys as personally as I could. But one, one of the cool things that God's done in my life consistently over the years is just ha- connected me with people who were willing to take a chance on me. And, um, you know, Phil, you're talking about redneck wisdom, but seriously, uh, one of the things that I think you guys do so well, and maybe this is part of your redneck wisdom, is just take a chance on people without having any sense of what the outcome, you know, could be and and just investing in people and loving on people. And so uh, from really that moment when, when, when we had that conversation, when I was teaching that class and then in conversations following, I mean, man, I was married. I had an 18 month old. I had a 14 day old. I was going to go back to Kansas that fell through. I didn't really have a, a pathway or, or a plan. And so I just kind of threw myself at the mercy of God and around the people that he had connected me with and, and you guys and the elders at White's Ferry Road took took a chance on me. And I've seen you guys do that consistently over time. And it just meant a lot to me to to watch that and be a beneficiary. So you tell you tell me you tell me your story. And uh of course, you know, you're now we're talking about hiring somebody, which in in the for a church is never an easy process, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, I started the process with our fellow leaders. And of course, you know, you got to, you got to vet this guy, you know, you got to find out cause we didn't know you, and, but I knew your story. So I called our mutual friend, Bonnie Phillips and, uh, married to WE, which yeah. we alluded to in our last podcast, uh-huh. but his wife is a wonderful counselor and she had actually been worked with you, uh, at, when you were a, a kid, a teenager. Right. 
And so I called her and I said, Bonnie, we're thinking about hiring Trent uh, for the to work for the church. I said, I think he's really got a future in ministry, and I think he could be our leader here ultimately. And and all this, by the way, is a year behind when I'm going to leave, which I didn't know at the time. This is just when the show is starting. So right. uh, so Bonnie doesn't say anything. There was like a long pause, and I thought, uh oh. You know, it's not good when you get the long pause, you know, because she's your she's your reference right. for yes, me because yes, I trust yes, Bonnie. Right. What, and right. there's a long pause. And I and I was like, Bonnie, she said, I just she said, I'm so overwhelmed right now with emotion that we're having this conversation. And then she basically told me, you know, what what you had overcome and, you know, the how how much she loved you and, you know, the, the program there love you. And so it was like, yes, you know, a, a, an enthusiastic thumbs up from her. So it was really neat. And then that led to to us hiring you and, you know, you being there for those, you know, almost 10, I guess eight years. Yeah. And yeah. That backstory. And I can, sh- I can talk about that maybe later, but, but yeah, that, so, so Bonnie was the counselor of the hundreds. It feels like that I had over the years, I was in a lot of counseling. Um, Bonnie was the counselor that easily by far had the most transformational influence, you know, on me. And I can talk about why that was later too, but, but that was 10 years before I got to West Monroe and the crazy backstory that she's married to W red dog. He was the the best man at my wedding. Duck commander videos. (laughs) That's right. Best wow. man at your wedding. You guys are close. She is like one of the, my favorite people on earth. She knows me better than just yeah. about anybody knows me. And so, right. and I had no idea that y'all knew each other when I yes, really. walked through the doors of White's Ferry Road. And I, I don't even know that I knew how well you knew them right. until we had this discussion. And I'm like, I, right. and this is just God weaving this story yeah. together, man. It was just so, so crazy. You guys took a chance on me. Yeah. And that was just, it changed my life. I've, I've noticed God's really good at orchestrated meetings between people. I mean, that's just what he seems to do. Yeah. You remember the first time I approached yeah, you, I yeah. was like, I got an offer for you. And you were looking at me like, what could this be? I was like, I do these events and I would like for you to come with me. And you were like, well, what would I do? <laughs> I said, you'd be my bodyguard. <laughs> and look. Because Trent's kind of a big muscle guy. Oh, yeah. You, 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 He's got the look. You work out. And so, which what was so humbling about you, because uh, you said, well, why? And I said, because you love Jesus, which is what I told you. And and you, I could tell you were like, well, where are you getting this from? But I, when I heard you speak just the first time, I was like, this guy loves Jesus. I mean, he's a really intellectual and intelligent man he's educated and but i think there's something to that because a lot of people who are real knowledgeable it what's the verse say knowledge puffs up but love builds up yep. and so you in a in a humbling way and we did events together and i'm like this guy could pontificate on this way better than me he's just sitting over there <laughs> All swole Not up. saying a word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which was like a ninja guard, cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we were we were working on when we would be on the plane yeah. and talking in between and after about how we could impact the world together for Jesus. I mean that really it was more yeah. about that. I, I wanted and I was like, let's just be friends. I was yeah. telling Missy, I was like, 
is it wrong to invite him and pay him to be my bodyguard because I just want to be friends with him? But that's really how we got. You know, I have to say, most security guys are really not that much of a conversationalist. You know, they they just kind of they just kind of hang out there. Well, you know, it, it Trent, was a weird time. Trent, so in he was working out. So probably the first time we had a staff meeting, we were going to have lunch after the meeting. And so we're sitting there, we're sitting around a big table, you know, and we're talking about whatever we're working on, you know, and I told him we're going to have lunch coming in. So Trent, about, you know, 30 minutes into the thing, he starts pulling out his little Tupperware stuff. I said, Trent, we're going to, I got lunch orders coming in. He said, oh, I know. And so he pulls out like a steak and all this stuff. He's just, he's eating it while we're doing that. I was like, what? And then we, then the lunch comes in and he does the whole, he does the full lunch. He, was, did, he didn't stop eating. No, he. No. And I was like, <laughs> who has a snack of like a, a, a 14 ounce ribeye? An elongated meal. <laughs> no, I told Missy after we had him over and his family the first time, when y'all left, the first thing I said, I said, the next time Trent comes over here, Double, <laughs> double it. Whatever we thought we were gonna, <laughs> that guy's working out. Always remember, they practice hospitality without <laughs> grumbling. <laughs> no, we ran out of no, He just it marvels <laughs> how much he can eat. Like we had a lasagna, and and luckily Lisa made two. Trent ate almost a full lasagna. You said a pan. It's good. I that admit lasagna, it, but I was like, how does he hold it? But life. that man can eat, which I, you, we yeah, marvel at it, Trent. And, and then you look so good. So I told him one day he's going to, you know, it's going to come back on him. Yeah. Though. He's going to be a big fat man. Well, well, Trent, the reason we had you on is because in our culture, I mean, we seem to be, you know, just in a situation where there's so much pain and suffering and there's so much confusion and, and there's so much disunity and, and there's so much pain out there. And you're literally on the the cutting edge of this war because of all the counseling you do and running a counseling center at uh, Colorado Christian University. And so we're like, help us. Help us understand what's going on out there. Yeah, some of the things that you see. Let's, let's take a break, Jim. So one of our sponsors, Stamps.com, basically brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS right to your computer, which is really great. So you, I mean, right there where you can find it, it's easy. Um, you get 40% discounts off a of post office rate, 66% off a of UPS shipping rate. So it's a no-brainer, saves I, you time, saves you money. I used to collect stamps. Did you? I did. <laughs> Do you still know where the collection is? I have no idea. I think <laughs> Willie in a fit of rage ruined my stamp collection but. well you and willie got a lot of history of destroying yeah. each other's stuff that's that's really yeah. sad so anyway stop wasting your time go to the to going to the post office go to stamps.com there's no risk use the promo code unashamed you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale there's no long-term commitments or contracts stamps.com click on the microphone at the top of the home page type in unashamed Stamps.com, promo code Unashamed. So, yeah, Trent, so I, what do you – I mean, like, you're – how old are you now? You're in your mid-30s? 36 years young. 36 years young. So you're younger. You're working now with college students because you're teaching them. So now you've been – you were here, but you're also out west. What do you, What are some of the things you see culturally that are really going to be a challenge as we go forward? I mean, what's some of the things you're seeing? Yeah, man. So, so I, and it, it's hard to kind of distill this for the sake of time and to just, uh, uh, 
a short enough maybe blurb, but a couple of things that I think are worth mentioning. I feel like right now, uh, for a couple of different reasons, one of the biggest things people yeah. are struggling with is identity. Um, and I'm not talking about like people describing who I say I am when I'm meeting new people or, or what I do for a profession as, as who I say I am. I mean, like who I see when I, when I look in the mirror and, and, and in, in the depths of my soul, who, who am I? So I think that's a big piece. I think the second is we're in a, we're in a, a culture that offers a lot of artificial instantaneous yep. varieties of, of pain relief that, that don't actually relieve pain. They only compound it. And so people find themselves in this overstimulated frame of mind where I'm sipping coffee, I'm watching TV, I'm scrolling social media, but in my mind, I'm thinking about the next five things I want to go do. And, and it's a distraction from my uh, emotional pain, but, but it keeps my brain overstimulated. And the second I'm not overstimulated or distracted, not only does that pain catch up to me, but I just feel bad, anxious, depressed, whatever you want to say. And I think that the third thing that I'm seeing is just people maybe now more than ever yeah. more desperate yeah. to find meaning and purpose in life. And so we can unpack any of that, but I work, I, I see 20 probably clients a week. I oversee 10 counselors who are seeing 200 a month. And I've been doing this work for 10 years and have worked with thousands upon thousands of people Arkansas, Louisiana, and now Colorado. And it this kind of stuff doesn't discriminate by geographical location. And I mean, do you like in these conversations, do you like, because when I hear those three things, I think, well, they need to be thinking we're made in the image of God. Two, they're spending way too much time on social media and then attaching their worth based on comparison. And the, what'd you say? The third was the, the purpose or meaning. meaning. They're just, I'm like, do Meaning, something yeah, that kind of yeah. takes care of point two, which is most of our time is spent scrolling and straight, even when we're supposed to be working and, and comparing, it's like, you're just living as a form or an image of yourself. Right. You know? Yeah. And I, Jace, I think that spiritual transformation, uh, connection with God through Jesus Christ, the son, is, is the required ingredient to solving yeah. the biggest problems in culture, you know, today. And what, I, what, what I'm trying to do uh, as a counselor is use counseling techniques and theory to lead people to that place of a radical encounter with Jesus Christ. I like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 Which, yeah. Which I'm sure yeah. we, in we our cultural problem. world, you get flack for that because they're just trying to solve the problems without Jesus. So I guess it's a form of medicating without really offering a substantial eternal cure or, but I'm sure that's a tough path that you, you have to climb, you know, with individuals. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough balance. And, and look, some, sometimes the reason it's tough is because people have either been hurt by church kind of people or right. people hurt by people who say they're followers of Jesus or, or they've seen Christ followers not live by the command of Jesus uh, to love one another like he loved us. And so when they see that fighting or they've been hurt, it, it, that those are challenges for, for 
uh, us as Christians to overcome and introduce people to Jesus in a way that transforms their life. And then, yeah, I, culture uh, right now is just is is so it, it's this weird paradox. They're so desperate for truth, but they're so uh, opposed to people who are bold enough to say there is truth. There yeah. is a right way. If you go that way, uh, you'll find what you're looking for in life. And until you do, you're never going to find it. Um and so, Jace, it is challenging. And, and uh, yeah, I think there are a lot of reasons why people resist that, but it's a major challenge. Well, I, th- I always thought when you were here, Trent, you being a, a, a talented, you know, preacher and, and studying the word of God, and then you were kind of, you know, you were counseling, but at the same time you were have that was your main thing. So you had that out front. But I always thought that the counseling that you did and the connection to people helped you be a better preacher. Now it's flipped because you're right. a, you're a primary counselor, but how is, right. how does that knowledge and how does understanding the word of God help you to help people deal with these problems that they're having? What's what, you know, what's the benefit? Yeah. So, so I, I see all biblical truth as self-evident truth, which means it's going to prove itself true time and again in the trenches of everyday life. And so if I'm working with a married couple and I'm talking with them about uh, 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 giving more of yourself for your spouse, then maybe you feel like you can give. That's the principle of the second mile, which is a principle that Jesus taught. And I don't necessarily have to turn to book, chapter and verse uh, to teach somebody, you know, that principle. I was just lead to devotional earlier today with my team. And we were talking about Matthew six, um, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And so I can teach somebody, Hey, try to, try to connect with, with others or, or, or God and let the rest take care of itself. If you'll, if you'll put your trust in God and you'll really value others, let's, let's, let's let whatever happens then happen. And I'm betting that, that chips will fall into place. Well, I don't necessarily have to reference Matthew six for that. Right. Um, another, yeah, yeah, you're going to get me preaching here if you're not That's careful. All right. Break down, brother. Another, <laughs> another a real common one, like with identity. So when Jesus is baptized in Matthew three, God says, God, God names his identity after his baptism. This is my son, whom I love. In him I am well pleased. That's the very end verse of Matthew 3, you flip the page to Matthew 4, Jesus is led by the Spirit out in the wilderness to be tempted 40 days. And the tempter comes to him, Satan comes to him and says, if you are the son. Uh, So where's the first point of attack? It's in identity. so, So that's the first place that Jesus is attacked. And I don't necessarily have to teach people that your identity is going to be attacked. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and here's, here's how I know that from what, from Jesus's temptation in Matthew four, based on what God just told uh, us about him in Matthew three, I can teach him that principle. And, and I, I have taken a lot of classes. I've read lots of books, but I think the reason I'm, I'm able to help people, you know, when, when I am is, is because I'm using those kinds of principles and truths to provide people with some guidance. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you just think if everybody woke up every morning and said those three things, that I'm a daughter of God, 
I'm a yes. son of God, you know, male or female, but then say, and he loves me and he's pleased with me. Amen. I mean, if you just said that every day, right. Right. I'm, I'm no counselor, but that's, that's a pretty good, I'm that's good enough. Good. I'm that's good right. enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it. People like me and, and like God me. loves me. <laughs> I think right. another reason, yeah. Trent, that you're effective you know, one, you, you obviously focus on Jesus and those principles. And we kind of do the same thing in that we're having conversations outside of the church building with people about life and Jesus is introduced and people's lives are changed. And it's not really affiliated with a church building or religious thing. Right. It's just real life. That's what we do. But I also think that God uses your story, you know, to share his story and we want to get into that just because I think it's incredible. Uh, uh, we see you now. And we know you. We didn't see you BC before Christ. Right. But we've heard stories. But yeah. I do think it would help our listeners and viewers just to dabble into that, if you don't mind. Yeah, and let's, let's, take, a, let's, let's take a break. So one of my favorite sponsors for our podcast uh, is a, a group called Faithful Counseling. And, you know, I've, I've mentioned this before. Counseling was such a big part of mine and Lisa's sort of reconciliation of our marriage. So we are big, uh, big fans of counseling. I've encouraged a lot of people to go. I'll meet with anybody and have a conversation. But I always call it triage counseling. You, you need some other people as a, as a guide to help you get there. And so I was just talking to some uh, some veterans this last week and, a lot of stuff, you know, from being overseas, a lot of difficult things in marriage. So counseling can really be a blessing to you. And these guys do it online, which helps you to be able to find a, a good counselor. Uh, and, and you can trust these guys. Unashamed listeners get 10% off your first month from the sponsor, Faithful Counseling. So get started. Go to faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed. That's faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed. You're going to fill out a questionnaire. And they're going to help you're going to fill out a questionnaire and they're going to help you assess your needs and match you with a counselor that you're going to love. So that's faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed. And so so, Trent, that's exactly right. I want you to tell your story because Jace is right. We saw the 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 cleanse version of Trent Langhofer and, and Kirsten and your young family when you were there. And then when I heard your story, because, you know, our church is is. I guess fairly unique in the sense that, I mean, there's a lot of life change that happens there and, and you were a big part of that yeah, uh, through celebrate recovery and a lot of other things we do. But uh, yeah, tell, tell our audience about, uh, about your childhood and kind of what eventually led you to college and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, grew up in, in a childhood home that from all outside appearances should have been great, you know, uh, married parents, uh, biological father going to chiropractic school. Both both uh, parents came from families that were Christian, and both kind of had aspirations to be involved in ministry. And um, you know, one night my mom gets a phone call from somebody who tells her that my biological father has been having a, a same sex affair behind her back, and that it's not the first one. And so um, kind of a, a long story short in the tornado, you know, that followed my mom grabs me. I'm the oldest of three boys. Um, and how my, old were you at that time? I was around six years old. At the okay. time. Wow. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so, and my, my two younger brothers obviously were younger. My youngest brother was, was about a year old. There's about a six year uh, gap between us. So yeah, you can imagine a, a mom gets a call trying to raise three boys. She didn't live near family. Um, the just hurricane force storm that started raging in her life was overwhelming. And she grabs me and my brothers and goes and lives with her parents, um, who are just wonderful salt of the earth people. Um, my, but, but my mom's dad was retired at the time. My mom's mom was a paraeducator. My mom was a teacher. So there was, you know, month at the end of the money left over. I mean, it was tight. And you guys know how I can eat too. So just trying to keep me fed would be enough of a financial strain on any family. Um, and so yeah, that was the home then that I kind of grew up in over the next few years. Um, and then my mom meets a guy uh, who is a wonderful man um, that I love dearly. He's one of my best friends today. But we got we got along about as well as fire and gasoline when they yeah. first met. He was this quintessential man's man, chewed tobacco, wore ropers, the the boots that were cool in like the late eighties, <laughs> early nineties, you know, he, he rode oh, bulls wow. and he wore these, he wore these, it'd be hard to describe if you don't know what I'm talking about, but in like the nineties, there were these shirts that cowboys would wear that had these real loud colors and real wild yeah. patterns. But the thing with them was you had to starch them so much that if you took them out of the closet and took the hanger out and stand the shirt up by itself. Uh, with no, no one in it, no hanger on it. So he wore those shirts, wore ropers, chewed tobacco. And I was like uh, a Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid all wrapped up in one. And he kind of swoops into my life like Wyatt Earp, going to restore law and order yeah. in Dodge City. And you wasn't having uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have any of that. And and plus, you're probably bitter, uh, you know, from what happened before, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. So I end up uh, using drugs for the first time in the fourth grade. I was walking mm -hmm. to school one morning and um, some people on a street corner gave me and a, a, a friend of mine some drugs now, who gives uh, a fourth and, and grader was, some uh, drugs well, you know you know some evil people oh. is all you can say so yeah i was 10 or 11 years old at the time and i start uh uh experimenting with drugs more alcohol more um you know and things really start to spiral behaviorally for me at school things started going really really bad um you know started using real real hard drugs drugs that most uh long-term addicts are, are using as a freshman in high school, you know, and then uh, it got so bad just trying to kind of abbreviate this season that I uh, dropped out of school as a junior uh, to do mm. drugs full time. And I ran away from home and I was couch hopping and it was just crazy. And my parents heard about this treatment center in the middle of nowhere in Arkansas called Capstone. And so I had been up for like four or five days, hadn't slept. And, and they came to me and we're like, man, we just want to take you to get something to eat. And so I got in their van and they took me to get something to eat. And I fell asleep in their van, just passed out. I'd been running wild and just acting a fool. Pass out in their van and I wake up. I'm, I'm living in Kansas at the time. I wake up 
in Searcy, Arkansas at Capstone Treatment Center. I've been kidnapped <laughs> by my own parents. <laughs> <Wow. and taken. laughs> um, so, so parents that are listening that have, have wayward sons and daughters, it is not outside the scope of what might need to happen to kidnap your son and daughter right. and take that person. But from your perspective, that's probably, you're so strung out. That's the way you viewed it. Man, I was so strung out, dope sick. Yeah, I didn't mind. And when I was at Capstone, you know, Jace, you, you talked about just the pain that I felt. Maybe that's why I didn't get along with yeah. my dad, my stepdad. Um, and so at Capstone, they start asking me all, all these questions, you know, about my early life and, and, and my biological father. And, and so, man, the more they asked, the more I started to reveal things that I had been running from, revealed childhood trauma, um, you know, talked a lot about the abandonment pain that I felt, you know, because my biological dad was mm. who he was, you know, a, a person that had an affair and left my mom and was just caught up in his own addictive behavior and pain. And so um, the more I the more I talked about it, just the more all those things I've been running from just just started to feel like they were just coming to the surface and I've been pushing yeah. them down forever. And so I, I get suicidal. I, I get in a really bad frame of mind. I get shipped eventually to uh, eight different treatment centers, uh, trying to treat my childhood trauma, trying to treat my abandonment pain. And I, at one of these places, I end up in new Orleans, Louisiana. Yeah, I was hoping you would oh. tell this story. This is a, Hang on, Trent. Let's let's take a break before you do. Let's take a break. So, Jason, unless you got your hair up today, you, you yeah, yeah. yeah. You that's, gotta, Al, that's a good problem. <laughs> it's like when when Jace plays golf, he has to put his hair up in his hat, or else it's just hanging out, gets in his face. It's kind of in light of what you're fixing and discuss. It's a good problem. <laughs> it is. So, one of our long time sponsors is a is a company called keeps and that's a keeps.com and they want to help you keep your hair and i'm J keeping J the hair under a hat that's right because i want to keep it out of my eyes <laughs> but i also just want to keep it <laughs> <laughs> so if you're uh if you're in early stage of losing your hair you might want to check these guys out uh, you go to their website they're going to give you a few easy questions you're going to snap some pics of your hair. There's a licensed doctor that's going to review all your info, and they're going to find the right hair loss treatment for you, and then they ship it straight to your door. So that's uh, keeps.com, K-E-E-P-S.com slash door. You're going to get 50% off your first order of hair loss treatments. That's keeps.com slash door. Of all the places to wind up if you have this struggle, New Orleans is probably... Not going to work too well. <laughs> New Orleans was tough. Yeah, that's right. It, there was some things available there that, that may not have been available elsewhere. And and so, yeah, I end up in treatment there and there's, and I'm on suicide watch. I'm sleeping out in the middle of a, of a basically hospital ward. And I'm, I'm, uh, I wake up one morning and another one of the residents, a young lady is, is, sitting right in front of me and she's drawing a picture of me and which is kind of strange, but didn't seem strange given that we were in a psychiatric unit and everybody was just, yeah. you know, broken and hurting. I guess, yeah. I guess when you're in a psychiatric ward, everything just kind of relative. And we're right? laughing just to break yeah, we're not up the, the drama because I know it's was a tough time, yeah, you know, right. but yeah, 
No, a funny moment. I was sitting in group in a psych unit once and some lights flickered overhead and nobody in the group said anything because we were all worried that maybe it didn't happen. It was like the medication we yeah. were on that influenced us. <laughs> yeah. And the group leader's like, it's okay, group. That light did just flicker. <laughs> it's like, man, that's just the environment yeah. you know, we were in. So mm. this, this gal ends up telling me, you know, that it, if she gets back home, she's going to be abused. The person that was abusing her was in her home. And I'm like, man, I don't want to be here. She doesn't need to go back home. She doesn't need to be here. We're getting out of here. And so we, uh, during shift change, broke out of this psych unit in New Orleans and lived homeless on the streets of New Orleans um, for a while mm. and uh, slept under bridges. Eventually, we made our way to uh, the French Quarter, which is kind of where we ended up living. And um, there's a there's a homeless shelter on Rampart Street in the French Quarter on the north side of the French Quarter called the Covenant House. Hmm. And so lived there for a while. And I guess you're 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 cutting up again. Yeah, no, I, right. Yeah, with with the other homeless people. Yeah, we're we're using drugs and sharing needles hmm. and trying to hustle people and. You know, I got jumped. Uh, she was almost raped. I mean, it just so much stuff I could share that just it was it was as crazy and and insane and chaotic as it you can possibly imagine, and probably in ways that people can't. And you're imagine. only like what seventeen, Trent, at the time? Seventeen, yeah, at the time from the Midwest in the Deep South in New Orleans, home Bourbon Street and the French Quarter. You know what's ironic, Trent? What's ironic is that when I was, I went through a my prodigal phase, and I was seventeen in New Orleans, uh, working there. But I had a more secure situation than you did because I was living with my aunt. But I was right down there in that same area, involved in that same lifestyle, and almost almost Man. died, which is what led me back home. A guy took a crowbar to me. Uh, in Kenner, uh, just outside New Orleans, because uh, I was, you know, having an affair with his wife, which that's what tends to happen. So I, I, when you're describing it, I think, yeah, I, I mean, it makes no sense now to think you were that person and yet you were that person. And at, right. at this point of your story, Trent, for people listening, I mean, you're strung out. You 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 basically escaped a mental ward, you know, back in drugs and right. sex and whatever is happening. It's like, how in the world do you wind up here? <laughs> so there had to be some moment where this came crashing down that you survived. Yeah. So it was crazy. Yeah. So for years I lived as an IV drug addict, just crazy. I mean, as crazy and just insane as it could have possibly been. And so uh, I make my way eventually back to Kansas and um, the day before Thanksgiving in 2004, I'm in my hometown and I'm using and I'm I'm just about dead. So I'm 120 pounds at this point. Um, I'm 6'2 and about 250 right now. So I was a half the body weight I am right now. Thought I had AIDS, was using with people that had uh, HIV. And so it was just and I get a call uh, from my aunt who's like, hey, we haven't seen you and and we love you and, and we'd love to see you. And it's Thanksgiving is the next day. So this is in 2004. And after I hung up the phone, um, I, I got high and I overdosed and blacked out. And I think I would have died if my aunt hadn't called me. But something in me was 
conscious enough during a blackout where I somehow got in my vehicle and I wake up in my vehicle about two miles from my mom's mom and dad where my aunt was staying. And I black out again and I'm on their front lawn. And um, for the next few days, like they're trying to nurse me back to health. They call an ambulance, they call the hospital. Um, and I survived. Uh, and they take me to church and I had, you know, big earrings in and looked just really like, uh, like, like the kind of person you'd expect was doing the kind of things, you know, that I was um, earrings, the earrings don't look good on me, by the way. It's an interesting fact, though, that I'd never heard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this, this preacher at, at, at my wife's, uh, grandparents church is preaching a message on being a pretender or a contender for Christ from the book of Jude. And, and my heart was just totally broken in that moment. And I'm like, man, this is, this is me. You know, this is, I've always felt like a pretender. I was never some tough drug dealer. I was never a gang member. I was never some bad dude. I was just a worthless junkie that if my lips were moving, I was lying to you and would have done anything to anybody and did a lot of really just miserable things to get my next fix. And I'm just like, I just don't want to feel like a pretender anymore. I don't want to feel yeah. like I'm nothing. And, and he's, he gave it like an old fashioned altar call. Um, it was like a Baptist <laughs> church, man. And he's like, prayer, raise your hand. And I, I raised my hand and it was like, yeah. seriously, it was like a, a whole a bunch of balloons were tied around my wrist when he said, ask for prayer and my hand starts to raise and I'm like looking at my hand and I look at the guy and his, he, his eyes are like oh locked boy. right on me. He's probably looking at your earrings, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right, probably looking at this crazy guy who raised his hand for prayer. And he's like, if you need prayer, come forward. And it was like, I was a man possessed, man. I, I, I felt myself getting up out of my chair and man, just yeah. broken uh, so ashamed, so humiliated. And I, I, to get to the front, I have to walk through the center aisle. There wasn't a way down to the front. And my parents will say that they thought I was leaving the service to go smoke. And instead I take a right hand turn, another right hand turn. And I start going down the center aisle and guys as as God is my witness. Every step I started taking down that center aisle, man, I feel just a decade of trauma and abandonment pain and, and drug use and misery and agony, just, just every step, just weight being lifted off my shoulders. And I pass the bench that my parents were sitting on and they see me and, and I look at them and we Lost. all just yeah. break. And I just hit my knees. I, yeah, I don't even make it to the front, man. I just hit my knees and they're going, Oh my God, this is a miracle. You know, this, this prodigal son who really should have been dead. And in, in a lot of ways yeah. was, uh, is, is alive again, you know? And so, um, so that was, uh, like the first Sunday after Thanksgiving in 2004 and December 2nd, I met up with an old friend and smoked crack, which wasn't even kind of the drug that I normally use. And, um, that's the last time I got high. And from that moment forward, I was like, I'm just, I'm going to sell out to Jesus. I'm just going to never stop 
trying to get close to him, trying to know him, trying to live how he lived. And that's when they got you to Capstone, right? Was right after that. Yeah. Well, so I had been to Capstone and that's when I called Capstone and was like, guys, I just had a powerful encounter with Jesus. I want to come work for you guys now. (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, dude, you've been sober. You've been sober for like a week. You cannot help anybody. And they were right. They were right about that. Uh, Hang on, let's take our last break. Yeah, so I call Capstone. I'm like, I want to work for you guys. They're like, man, you've been sober for a week. You can't come work here. You gotta, you gotta get really, really sober. Well, so, what was the difference though in you? You know, the first time you go, you're basically being brought by someone else, and the second time, you volunteered. You're yeah. volunteering, and not only it reminds me of the prodigal son. Yeah. Not only to be like a son, you know, that prodigal when he said it came to his senses. He was like, I'll just make me a hired hand, which when you said that, I'll, I'll, I'll work. Let me just work for you. Right, right, right. And I did scrub toilets there, and I did mop floors, and I did dishes, uh, you know, started started small. But Jace, and I think, Jace, this is one of the things that makes us such good friends, is I think my powerful encounter with Jesus is what made me want to go back voluntarily and give back because yeah. I, I found what, what I had been looking for in Jesus. Yeah. I found purpose. I found a healing to my pain. I found an identity and it was, it was just right in front of me, you know, the whole time. And, and, and so I, I was thinking, man, if I could just tell everybody that I can tell, you know, that this is how you beat the deepest, darkest uh, type of addiction a person can go through. I, I'm going to tell everybody, yeah. you know, and, and I think, uh, and I think, Jesus has used that to motivate me to just keep grinding, you know, trying to learn as much as I can about counseling and trying to preach as much as I can. I'm not the best counselor, not the best preacher, but I don't know a ton of people that I think are as crazy about Jesus as I am, you know? And so I think I've been given some opportunities uh, and people have taken some chances, you know, on me as a result. It's, it's, it's interesting that the, the 10 sins that the Apostle Paul listed to the Corinthians, and uh, it was everything from from idolaters, adulterers, male prostitutes, homosexual offenders, thieves. Where, where, where greedy, you at, dr- This is First Corinthians six nine and ten, and uh, greedy drunkards, slanderers, swindlers. They won't inherit the kingdom of God. But the beauty of that text is, and listening to you talk, and that is what. Some of you were, but you were sanctified, you You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Yeah, and it says you were washed. I mean, he's telling his story, and it fits perfectly (laughs) with what Paul told the Corinthians and all the troubles that they had there from different angles. 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, and he just said, yep. Here's where I've been. Here's who I was. Now here I am, and I am what I am. And what's crazy Son is he's God. in Colorado. We're in Louisiana, but Al, at the same age. Exactly. 18 were, years old. Could have bumped same into story. each other in, in a different era, you know, if you weren't. That's right. All, and, and twice and as all old. those years later, God crosses our paths, you know, and, and you're not sure where you're going to go. And so now we're forever a part of your spiritual DNA 
that you and Kirsten and your family go forward. And and you're a Saints fan, which is you know, <laughs> I mean, Saints you picked fan, that up while we you were here. Converted you to that, and also I would like to bring this up because that's I think, why y'all call him something. What do you, what do you, what do you call our man here? The doctor. Yeah, well, we, we y'all call him, but you know the, his last name. I said, well, no, his on, real name is Langhoffer. Langhoffer. They don't call him that. That's what. That's his name. It really is. That's yeah. right. But to me, when I heard his story, I said, no, he's one cliffhanger. Yeah, <laughs> that's a fact. That's, <laughs> what that boat trip? I mean, you had one you, finger hanging on the cliff. You got one. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that was that was it. One yeah. finger nail. Well, one of the reasons yeah. I asked you to be the bodyguard because you you told that story about hearing that in the guy that was introducing jesus about being a pretender a contender i don't know if you knew this but in my speeches now i'll, I'll always reference that phrase because i'm thinking there may be oh, another langhofer right. out here and because mm. i think it's a good way to look at it because anybody can pretend uh, uh, you know a certain way in a church building on sundays or whatever mm -hmm. and have this pain in their life but uh, but you've always been to me a fighter for Jesus and a and a contender, and so part of your uh, coming out of that old lifestyle is you you got your body in shape because you you said you were 120 pounds, and so then you had a little stint yeah. in the uh, was it is it called the UFC there? <laughs> I don't want to embarrass you because yeah. look, you had the no, courage yeah. to step in a cage. <laughs> And fight a man. He was going to be a professional. Yeah. And so I wanted to ask about that experience. That's funny. Yeah. So not the UFC. It was the FCF freestyle cage fighting championships. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So, so uh, uh, right. That's crazy. <laughs> but uh, I had Jesus transform my life. And I'm like, man, all these guys are getting in cages, fighting each other. Like, I want to see what that's about. And so uh, trained for a while. I grew up wrestling and and so uh, did athletics a lot. And, and my addiction really took that away from me. And so I, I decided I'm going to yeah. give it a shot and uh, went down to Tulsa. There were about 3000 people in this uh, convention center in Tulsa. And I'm, I'm, I'm entering into the octagon list with my, with my entrance music as Rich Mullins, our God is an awesome God. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's thunder in his footsteps and lightning in his fists. Yeah. Uh, and so what yeah, happened? So I thought, Lord, I need some of that. So, I get in the ring and I just get beat up, man. My nose gets broken, uh, get black yeah. eyed. And I, my wife, my dad, my mom's dad, and my brother were sitting ringside. Um, and, and so, yeah, after beating this guy's fists up with my face <laughs> three rounds, I, I leave the octagon and my wife is like, okay, Trent, you got a decision. It's either this or me. And so I gave up my life as a fighter and became a preacher and a counselor. Yeah. But you know, I, I want, I wanted you to tell that story because I do think that you made the spiritual transition there in that. I'm a, I'm in a spiritual war, and that's why I said you're yeah. on the cutting edge. And your wife is awesome, and y'all make amazing. a great team for the Lord. And uh, I just had to say that because I think it's one thing, you know, for Jesus to save us, but then He also, as we grow and mature, you know, we find our lane in in representing Him on the earth. And yeah, you, you've yeah. done well. And and Jace, I think that's important just because that's that's really our purpose. There is yeah. a battle for each person to fight That's right. and you, and you're, and you're needed. You are a needed soldier 
you know, in that army. And, uh, and it, it's given my life a lot of purpose and meaning. I was just, uh, pursuing the wrong type of fighting for the well, Lord. Right. But your heart was right. Well, well tell us. Right. Yeah. So tell us what you're doing now. So yeah, married a just beautiful gal way out of my league, out punted my coverage on Kirsten. Um, she and I have been married. We just celebrated our 15 year wedding anniversary, wow. have three just precious kids. Adrian's 12, Kyra's 10, Judah's eight. Um, and just have guys, just a blessed, wonderful life. I'm, I'm in Colorado Springs. I am teaching graduate counseling classes at Colorado Christian University's uh, clinical mental health counseling program. And uh, it's an excellent program. I also uh, launched uh, Colorado Christian University's outpatient mental health counseling center also here in Colorado Springs. Um, And we just teach and train counseling students to just be on the front lines of mental health and loving people with the love of Jesus and using what evidence-based practices and counseling say uh, are what what help people and what help heal people and what help uh, uh, turn people to Jesus. I'm teaching pastor at Trace Church here in Colorado Springs and just just trying to personally just love on my family as much as I can and love on as many people as I can and and just so, so thankful, uh, you know, for the twists and turns that my life has taken. I'm just a really, really broken, messed up guy that found Jesus and, and things just radically transform. So, uh, so thankful to get to do what I do and to help the people that I get to help and, and to work with, with guys who just really in a lot of ways, uh, remind me of me, just a, just a hurt, lost young man that just was desperate for, for something. Well, Trent, you're, uh, you and Kirsten are missed here, but we know, I told you when you left, you know, God's going to continue to open doors. Anybody out in the Springs area, uh, if you need any counseling, look look this guy up because he's amazing. I'm glad you're teaching. That's great because you got a great gift there. I'm glad to hear you're using it. And back during the pandemic when the, you guys were tuning into our live stream, it did my heart proud just to see oh, those, the Langhoffers are oh, watching man. today. So that was really powerful. So, look, we love you a lot. Please pass that along to Kirsten and the kids as well. And can't wait to get you back down here. We'll, we'll get you down here in the fourth seat where you can be right live in person. Yeah, man. I would love it. Love you, bro. Blessings, bro. Love you guys. Thanks. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.